Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Today's reading is Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Welcome to New and Improved Christchurch 2023. We, uh, we redecorated for you, as you can see. No, not, not much has changed, but we just had a family meeting a few weeks ago, and we talked about a lot of things that are coming up. We do have a lot of things on the calendar that we will be introducing of sorts, some of it's repackaging, but things like we've never had a youth group, and so we're going to get to take a mission trip over the summer. It's pretty exciting with our youth. Never done that before. We have men's and women's retreats coming up, and so we'll throw out some of those dates to you soon. Uh, One of the more modest things that I think honestly will have more effect into this new year than anything, and we've been talking about it for the last few weeks, is the Bible reading plan. And I'm going to pitch that as much as I can, because I think it's going to be a great place to engage as families and personally, and just to hear from the Lord. And so with that, starting off today, uh, I'm giving you a freebie, because half of your reading is what I'll preach. So you can uh, take that center square on the bingo board. But uh, Psalm 1 and Genesis 1, we'll be reading that today. So if you don't have one of those, you can pick that up in the back. But we thought that would be a great start because our calendars are about to fill up. It's typically what happens. Work goes back to normal as the holidays die down. Uh, Sports are right around the corner. I know that soccer's about to start and other things. And so it's going to get busy. And we don't want our calendars to be so full that we're not communing with the Lord. And a lot of those things are good. And so we want to run those things through the counsel of his word. And so with that, why don't we pray and then we'll hop into Psalm 1. God, I thank you for this morning. Another chance to gather as your church and to praise your name, that opening call to worship, just beautiful, that you are God. You are above all gods. And everything made has been made by you and through your word. And so we just praise you this morning. I ask that you would calm hearts, let us focus, let me focus. I pray that we would read your scripture and be moved to worship. So we just praise you for this time, new year, to gather with friends and celebrate. Pray that you would be honored and glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was reading this, I thought it would be a good start because Psalm 1 kind of sets a precedence for the whole book of Psalms, and uh, Scripture is often black and white. So we have most people in and outside the church, they know the Ten Commandments, very strict. You read that, and you don't really have a lot of wiggle room. We know 
what that is, pretty intense. Uh, if you read the book of Romans, it's very systematic and scholarly. Uh, it's, it's, it's a maybe one of the tougher books. If you look at Deuteronomy or Levitical law, uh, it's strange, but it's very clear. We know what the Lord is saying through those things. But when we look at the book of Psalms, that's not always the case. So David, he writes with a lot of emotion. He's kind of whiny. I look at that sometimes. He's very forgetful. Uh, and, and as he's talking, he usually starts off with saying, God, where are you, right? We've talked about that a lot. I don't, I don't understand what you're doing here. And so he puts words. It's actually quite gracious of the Lord to let that play out in his word. He puts words to a lot of the emotion or maybe our humanity of what we walk through daily. And so he gives us ways to articulate our hope and encouragement that we're looking forward to. And it also puts words to maybe those dark times in our lives, and we've all walked through them, of just not feeling like the Lord's going to come through. What if he doesn't answer this prayer, right? Or as we're walking through that, we feel this darkness that we experience this world, whether with work or money or kids. And what if he doesn't say or come through like what he said? And so even in his forgetfulness or David's proclivity to doubt and waver, he is constantly putting himself into the presence of the Lord. And that's why I love this psalm because he's praising and he's remembering the Lord. And then if you remember back, we just talked through in Advent, Psalm 34 and 35. And it kind of gives us this same picture, these two different avenues of sorts. We've got brutal honesty in Isaiah 34 and then the great hope and this is often what David does and does in this psalm as well. He's offering great hope. And so as we look at this, uh, I, I had this thing playing through my head of what happens often. I do this thing to my wife that annoys her greatly. Uh, I don't tend, tend to annoy her, and it's not even her fault. It's me. Uh, but I tend to delay putting on my seatbelt. And I don't know any, anybody else do that. Anybody else annoy their spouse in that way? I, it's not an issue of safety because the seatbelt always gets put on, but it's more of a, a timing issue. And so when I'm riding by myself, and this is actually Jeff's old truck, uh, the, the pinging that goes off or the alarm is quite aggressive. Uh, and it gets louder and louder. It's, it's awesome. And often I don't even hear it. And so I'm driving down the road and uh, when I do hear it, it's a, it, it, a quiet at first. Hey, maybe you should put that thing on. And it's like ding, 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 and it gets progressive and it starts shouting. Um, but it's a warning. It's supposed to be annoying. It's supposed to be there to get my attention to put the seatbelt back on or put it on. But it's became just a bad habit, to be very honest. So this week I've been very aware of it as I've been preparing for the sermon. Uh, but that's often how sin works. So God has graciously given us his word, his spirit. You guys, y'all are a great gift to me and my family. My children and my wife are honestly sometimes that seatbelt warning. And those three things, his church, his spirit, and his word, they help us navigate those things. So when life is dark or when we're just distracted, maybe just busy, that's God's help to bring rest to our souls, to comfort us in times of distress and so what David does through the entirety of the Psalms is, is teach us how to navigate those things. And he's starting off in Psalm 1 by kind of putting some ground rules to this of how this plays out. And so the first verse, if you'll look at that, we'll put it up on the screen too. 
It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so just that first verse, we get this kind of cascading effect of where sin can come at us. That it, it, we're, we get so at home with it that we're just listening to it or walking, right? We kind of found ourselves just walking into it. And then we slow down, and we're standing in the way of sinners is what that text says. Or more literally, standing up for sinful actions. And we move from entertaining thoughts to defending sinful practices, which he says leads to sitting in the seat of scoffers. And that's like being counted as one of them, sitting down with a group of people that you associate with, who mock and scorn and scoff at God's counsel. And so we get so friendly with it sometimes. I think we've all been there. We end up lounging in the presence of the company, of that company, whether we know it or not. And so as sin creeps in and I ignore it or I become unaware of it, that little chime goes off, right? Ding, ding, ding. Gracious at first, progressively more loud as I keep driving down the road. And that's the prompting. That's a gift from the Lord. Uh, That is conviction from his Holy Spirit or from his church sometimes. And if I don't listen, it gets louder and louder, but it's for a purpose. And that purpose, if we're equating it to spiritual means here, that is conviction, and God created that. That is a gift, as annoying as it may be. But you know, when I, when the most when I hear that chiming is when I go on a date. Is when my wife hops in the car, and I don't notice it most of the time, but she hops in, and we get halfway down the street, and she's like, hey, you hear that? <laughs> and if I'm honest, this has been 13 years, right? Uh, she doesn't say it anymore. She doesn't even have to. That when she gets in, her presence enough is a reminder to me that I need to put it on, right? And that's probably worse than her actually saying it. But I become so aware of it, not because she's annoying, right? but because that warning's going off and her presence alerts me to that or reminds me of that. And so I immediately put it on. And it's for my safety. So it's a good thing. And often I'll put it on once it beeps once or twice. I'm like, man, that's so annoying, right? Just making a joke. But sin always takes us further than we want to go. And when we ignore an avenue of God's grace, whether from a friend or his word or the counsel of his Holy Spirit, that warning goes off. But if we just continue to avoid it. There's consequences in that. And so we end up not just avoiding the counsel of the Lord, but we trade it in for something else. We've talked a lot about that this year, that rather we exchange it for the counsel and protection of something else, which can't provide for us like the Lord does. And so I think when we read this in Psalm 1, you could, you could say, well, I'm not hanging out with terrible people, right? That I, I don't think this really applies to many of us in the church, but my thought was, how often are you scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, or you turn on the television and you watch news, and all of a sudden we find ourselves feeding our eyes on panic-filled news or just blatantly sinful videos that are maybe mildly entertaining, right? Or reading things that a child of God should never, ever see or hear or drink in, And so this isn't really literal, what David is saying, but it has literal implications that you might not be dining in a wicked person's home or standing in their driveway partaking in what they're 
partaking in, but you definitely just enter through the front door as soon as you open up that feed or you turn on the television sometimes. And so David's saying, pay attention that this warning going off is for your protection. And if we don't, the dirty little tentacles of sin creep in and they take hold. And where you find yourself not only walking in these things as this text is progressive, but sitting with it, okay? And it starts to rob our minds and our hearts of really what the Lord intended for us always. And so we begin to partake in conversations that you don't need to be in, don't need to be in. And we take a seat on the couch, right? We put up our feet on the coffee table. And that's how deceiving the enemy can be. And so we could apply that maybe a little more literally to uh, our workplace. A lot of you have opportunity to go to lunch with coworkers or uh, after parties. Maybe that's not sinful after parties, just hangouts. Maybe you just walk through those with Christmas parties, uh, take a lunch break. And so these things can be good. The Lord actually puts us in those positions for community, to be evangelistic, I can't get that word out, to evangelize, right? He has gifted us with different talents to engage people in different ways. But if that is our primary source of counsel, if that is our primary conversations, if that is where we spend most of our time, or we're not careful to pay attention in those places, that's always going to produce either being apathetic, lazy, Maybe even stirring a hunger for things that just aren't for you, that the Lord never intended for you to partake in, and it takes us out of the counsel of God. And so that, that dinging, that bell, that warning keeps going off. And maybe for others, it's not the workplace. Maybe, maybe it's family, and families, that's a hard one, and we've talked a lot of that because it hits so close to us that maybe they're for you, but they're not for God. And so it's hard to say, how do I navigate these waters, especially as an adult, to be looking actively towards these things. And so the wording in Psalm 1 is more of a heart position, not necessarily literally standing and walking and sitting, but it's the posture of our heart as we navigate these places and things where this person that David's describing is intentionally walking in habitual lifestyle and standing up to be counted in the friendship of these people against the Lord. So it's not passive. Even though you might find yourself there, you're actively engaged in this place. However, the person upon whom God's favor rests, this is the beauty in this text, the truly blessed person. He does not seek counsel from the world or the wicked, nor defend their sinful ways, nor stands up to be counted as one of them. But in verse two, you can see that he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so David is defining these two different people. It's kind of the picture of Isaiah 34, Isaiah 35. One is the blessed person, and blessed means happy, or under God's blessing. And, and that blessed word is actually a truly biblical definition. It's like joy. If you try to define joy in any other way besides what the Bible does, it's just not joy. Blessed is the same way. Blessed or blessed, we say it both ways. Uh, it would be like trying to define marriage in a different way. It's just not. God made it for a man and woman, and the world tries to define it in different ways. And so that's what David is doing here. He's, he's defining terms for us to say this is what the blessed person looks like. 
This is the person under the provision of the Lord. And so he starts off with this blueprint in Psalm 1 to help us navigate through the rest of God's word, to help us go through trials and joys and emotions when curveballs are thrown at us. How do we respond? And so what is the blueprint? If you look at that text, it says the person delights, but where does he delight? It says he delights in or on his law. And that word here is Torah. We've heard that a lot. Uh, that can be the, the law of Moses. Uh, David, kind of what he's saying here as the law is simply God's instruction as a whole. And we get that affirmed through Psalm 119. He uses uh, six different words to describe that. I'll put these up just to see. God's commandments, his word, his statutes, his precepts, his rules, and his testimonies. And so that covers Old and New Testament. David doesn't just say, hey, I want you to be super disciplined, pick up the Bible reading plan and read it and check it off every day. If you don't mark through it of, of that day, then you didn't do it. No, he's not saying like we have to get really regimented, but he's, what does he say? He says delights to take pleasure in God's word. And so I have a question for your kiddos or maybe even you adults. Uh, have you ever heard, kids, have you ever heard your friends, have they ever invited you over, or have you ever invited someone over by saying, hey, why don't you come over to my house because my parents have really cool rules? <laughs> okay, does that make you laugh, uh, you parents with adult children, to look back and say, my kids have never said that, right? Uh, you might lead with, hey, we got new toys for Christmas, or, hey, we're going to play hide-and-seek with the neighbors, or whatever. But have you ever said, come over to my house, my parents' rules are delightful, <laughs> right? That's not typically how we roll. Uh, but what if I told you, 30 years later, you might be standing up in front of people, preaching a passage that your mom has prayed over and written out very clearly for you, maybe moments because she was worried, uh, and your dad has lived this out, and it's kind of a full circle moment to read this. And my siblings are here too, and so it's a cool moment of just really realizing of what protection we had where we can look back and we might not use the word delight, but we take pleasure in what happened. The protection under their rules because they sought out the Lord and his church and the counsel of his word. And so things like curfews, I might have not liked in the moment the way that I had to talk to people or not talk to people, right? At the time, it might have been a ding, ding. It's just like, oh, okay, I'll put on the seatbelt, right? We, we work like that. Uh, to eat dinner together, to spend holidays together, to discuss God's word over Christmas. That's a truly delightful or thing that I treasure highly. And even so much so that a lot of their kids my siblings, we've incorporated that in the way that we raise our children, uh, how we bring them into community. And so it might be annoying at the time, but we can look back and appreciate to delight in. And so that idea of growth and time produces that delight. It's not something we can fabricate. I might not understand it in the moment, but that's why David can say in Psalm 119, oh, how I love your law, exclamation, right? I love your precepts. 
I love your testimonies. I love your commandments above gold. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. But the word picture David gives us doesn't allow us to simply arrive at a place of appreciation or delight. That's not the end goal, but the beginning. He says, reading and meditating on the word of God. Letting our minds be consumed with the things of God. It's the fuel for our delight. It is simply the, the beginning for holiness. It is the fuel that gives us power to combat all the false things that David is addressing here. That Peter and Paul will come and say, hey, pay attention, be aware. The reason that we get up here every week and say, hey, it's serious if you let these things linger, if you're not listening to that, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And we see that through the full counsel of God's word. But it doesn't stop there. In verse 3, he continues. It says, not only does this blessed person delight, but he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And so it's a picture here, not of just a seed or a plant that just fell along a stream, but a tree that was uprooted from a, a dry, barren place and lovingly transplanted or placed by flowing, a flowing stream. And so that's a gospel presentation. I, I think of Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us or uprooted us from the domain of darkness and transferred us or transplanted us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So that's gospel. New creations planted by streams of living water. And then verse 3, it says, in all that he does, he prospers. We have a lot of things that go through our mind when we say prosper. I think a lot of us think TV evangelism, right? But he's not speaking of money nor possessions, but David rather gives us this continuing analogy of growth. When you think about a tree that is covered in fruit, the fact that it is fruitful means it's, it's healthy, right? When you go to an apple orchard, if you've ever taken your kids to go pick strawberries or berries, you're, you're picking the ones that aren't dead, you're picking the ones that are alive. And it's indication of ample water, sunlight, the tree is prospering. The fruit of the tree isn't just the benefit itself. I don't think you would go to an apple orchard or pick an orange and feed it to the tree, right? That's for you or for you to take and pass along. And so it's an indication of abundant life and good conditions when we see fruit. And it's for the blessing of all those who come in contact with that tree. And so this is the outcome of the blessed life that David's talking about, the result of a life that's lived in the presence of God, meditating on his word day and night. It's a blessing to all those around us to show faithfulness and obedience when we delight in the Lord. But then he gets to maybe the seatbelt warning going off again. Verses four through six, he describes the second person. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
So sin might be profitable for a moment. But Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And so for the blessed and all that he does, scripture says he prospers. But for the wicked man, I think that wording for me is maybe the most terrifying in all of scripture. At least is top on the list. Because what it says is that to be outside of the will of God, I'm cut off. I'm like nothing. I just blow away. But the beauty is seeing that God knows the righteous. And the terrifying thought is to not be known by the Lord. And so he gives us these, these two avenues. And if you look at that text, if you have it open in front of you, what's, his, what's the first word in, in this chapter? See it? Blessed. And then how does he end? What's the last word in this chapter? Perish. And so that's what we've got here. He's defining two avenues that this way goes. So we have a choice this morning when we look at this text. And I think a lot of you have already made this choice, but for the believer, it is a daily choice. It's a daily submission to the Lord, a willful standing up in the presence of the Lord and not in the presence of the wicked. Not sitting down at their table, but sitting down at the table of the Lord and partaking in what he's doing to let our minds and our eyes and our hearts rest and sit and stand with the Lord. But that's a daily discipline. That's waking up tomorrow and doing the same thing when it's January 2nd, after you just made all those promises January 1st, right? And so the reality is that some of us who have trusted in Jesus read this scripture and say, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like the tree that's planted by streams of living water, right? Because work and money and kids and time just continually over us, right? We feel that. Sometimes in moments as parents, you feel that. As workers, as an employee somewhere, you feel that. And so we struggle to take delight in God's law. And so you might actually read this and feel more defeated than joyful, right? And so if this is you, I just want to say you're not alone. This was actually a conversation I had with one of my closest friends on Thursday night just to say, hey, welcome to the club. Remember what we're doing here, right? This is long this is enduring. This is for all of us that no one in this room has arrived, that no one has been freed completely from the burden of sin yet because Christ has not returned. He will make all things right, but we're not there yet. That is the message of Advent. We are here in the already. He's already came, but not yet. He's coming back for us. And so sin still continues to do its dirty work of trying to constantly take our eyes off Jesus Christ. And then maybe on the flip side, there's some of you in this room, because there's so many different personalities, that you read this and you're like, yes, right? New year, new you. You are on it. We are going to do this. We are going to capitalize and empower ourselves into righteous living, which you will slam yourself right into the dirt. Because David is in for the long haul. He's seen the patience of the Lord Sanctification is, it's a long road. That we're, we're growing in holiness. He's bringing us to perfection, right? Completion. And so that's a lifelong process of learning dependence on God. That growth and time in God's presence produces delight. And so it's a discipline, it's work. 
It's, it's effort, it's struggle and toil at times, but not by our own power, but by pressing into the truth. That's what David is proclaiming here in Psalm 1. He's presenting this opportunity to us not to push you down in despair, because even in the toil and the pain and the discipline and the work, it's not through our power. And so the question that I see in here in, in Psalm 1 is, how do we do that? I want to be that blessed person. I don't want to perish. I don't want to not be known by the Lord. I don't want to blow away. I don't want to just be forgotten, right? I want to be blessed. But where do I start? And Patrick taught through this a few years ago. probably stole a lot of his notes, honestly. But one thing that I remember him sharing during that time is read this backwards and start in verse 3. So take this scripture and, and look at what it says. You are a tree planted by streams of water. Start there and work back in the truth of what the Lord has done, that your identity is in Christ, that for the believer in this room has, who has put their faith in the Lord and submits to him, that you have been justified. We don't have to work towards that. You have been pronounced righteous, and the Spirit now lives in you. That is our identity as believers in Christ. And so as we start this new year, that's what David, and I'll, I'll challenge you to rest in that truth. How do we start? We still have to drink in from the stream where we've been planted and know and believe that Christ himself is the living water in our life. So if we look at this tree analogy in Psalm 1, the invitation is to read God's word. It's really simple. To commune with God himself. These are his words to us. And to meditate on his truth and pray that the spirit would give us understanding. That the spirit would grow us to love the law of the Lord as parents, as grandparents, as kids. Y'all are here too. And we love y'all. And we pray this over y'all. And we want to experience that truth and rest and freedom in the Lord. To be reminded that our identity is rooted in Christ. This is going to be something we struggle with for the next 50 years. For all 80 to 90 years of your life if we make it that far. Right? Maybe 100. <laughs> Believing this truth. So we don't work at this because God will, so that God will love us. That was a thought. We don't work at this so we try to earn righteousness and blessing. We just can't do that. But we do this because God loves us, right? Because he has pronounced us righteous. He has said we are blessed. And so one simple way, say, where do I start? Give me, give me something here, Carrie. Uh, the Bible reading plan is back there on the table. And that's not just a, hey, go with God. That's an opportunity that we saw to do this together. So as we meet in small groups and as we have people over in our house say, hey, what's the Lord teaching you this week as you read Psalm 2 or 3 or 4? What is God teaching you as you read through Genesis right now? So it's an opportunity to engage. Psalm 119, 105 through 106. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. And I love that because we, we always tell our kids or, hey, we don't swear, right? That's a thing that Americans say. Hey, we don't swear. But David's saying, I swear in an oath to you. And so in a season culturally of swearing and making promises, this is probably the greatest that you can do. 
by simply saying, I'm going to spend the rest of my days communing with the Lord day and night, meditating on his word, to let that be a guide, a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. And some of you have already made that commitment. You're doing that. I see that lived out in this community all the time. It's comfort to me. It reminds me. You're often the check. You're often the seatbelt warning, saying, Carrie, come on. I sit in the cabin often in our office, and I don't know how many times that Patrick has said, hey, chill, right? That's good. That's for my good. Young pastors need to be told, chill. Old pastors need to be told, chill, right? And so that's God providing for us. And often that conviction comes through someone hopping in your truck and saying, hey, okay, or picking up his word and the Lord saying, remember. So I just want to remind you that you are that tree. It's the example that he's given us, planted by the Lord, blessed and fruitful for everyone who comes around us to see this. It's really beautiful what we get to do week in and week out. So my encouragement is to engage the Lord in his word. And as we learn to delight in the Lord, watch him change everything, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Praise you for how gracious, gracious you've been to us and just humble us daily through this community, through what we're taught, that we get to come and dine at your table and to be filled. Pray that you would sustain us. God, I thank you for the conviction and community and comfort you've brought through people I've only known for a few years and some a few months. It's really crazy how you work through your body. And so I pray that really selfishly right now that through these next few songs that you would remind us of how near you are. Father, just for your spirit to move through this gym, for us to worship, for us to maybe be convicted and lay that down and say, I'm not going to sit in this misery or shame that I heap on myself, but God, I'm going to give it to you and watch you work. And so I pray that you would free souls. I pray that you would free us up to be the creation that you've made us to be, to proclaim your majesty, to be fruitful and pass it on to everyone around us. God, I pray that we would not forget that you're coming back. And I pray that that would be a prayer of ours, that you would come quickly. And while we're here, that you would bring others into this righteous kingdom. We love you. We do trust you. You are our God. We praise you for being gentle and kind and loving, direct. We pray that the counsel of your word would free us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamblin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org.